Hello, my praying people. I'm recording this during the first week of the Advent season, and I'll be talking about the word hope, which is our focus for the first week of Advent in just a few minutes. I want to let you know that I'm recording my podcast this month while I'm out walking. I'm, I'm uh, what do you call that, multitasking, <laughs> and it's actually very um let's see how appropriate that i would be doing this because it's during my walks that i have my best talks with the lord and so i guess in a way i'm just inviting you into those conversations during this month as we focus on advent i also wanted to remind you and let you know that we're going to be changing the name of our podcast i'll be here it'll be pretty much the same. It's just with the name change, I feel like I can broaden my conversations to include all things prayer and maybe every once in a while a little bit of anything else I think I need to yak about on a public forum. So the new name of the podcast, and we're going to roll it out the first week of January, is going to be Teach My Heart to Pray podcast, the Teach My Heart to Pray podcast. And to give you a heads up, I have a prayer study by that same name called Teach My Heart to Pray. And it's a four-session study designed specifically to be foundational in teaching people what this mystery and this marvelous privilege of prayer is all about. So I'm going to put a link to that study on my show notes You can go there and click on that link, learn more about the Teach My Heart to Pray study. It might be something that you'd like to do with yourself as the new year rolls around, or that you might like to do with um, a small group. It's just a, a, a very good way to focus your um, heart on the Lord. I wanna remind you also that even though I'm changing the name of my podcast, From the Prayer Clinic podcast to Teach My Heart to Pray podcast, I still very much am um, a promoter of the Prayer Clinic ministry. And so I'll put a link there also on the show notes for you to learn more about the Prayer Clinic ministry. So right now we're going to transition into talking about hope. And just understand that these podcasts might be a little bit different, a little bit more rambling, a little less organized, because I'm literally just inviting you into the conversation that I typically have with the Lord while I'm out walking. It's a beautiful morning in Tennessee. The sun is shining. The weather's about the mid-40s. I do have a jacket on and some long pants today as I'm walking. I see on our forecast that the weather's going to warm up into the 60s, which is a little bit high for this time of year, seems like to me. And we might even have thunderstorms this afternoon. It's not unusual in Middle Tennessee to even have tornadoes during the month of December as the weather is, you know, our typical winter is kind of like our summer. We're up and down and all around. And if you just hang around, you don't like the weather today, you might like it tomorrow. Or if you do like it today, hold on tight because 
tomorrow you might have to suffer through a little bit. <laughs> That's kind of how it rolls here. And isn't it like that sometimes in our lives? They're up and down and all around. And right when you get to a season where you think you can sit down and take a deep breath, something comes out of left field and suddenly you're in the thick of it again. And sometimes you might feel like you've been in a season of being in the thick of it for a very long time. And as I consider the word hope as our first word of the weeks of Advent. And if you're doing your wreath and you have your candles, I actually found my wreath the other day and pulled it out. It's beautiful. Our worship pastor, Chip, and his wife, Melinda, gave it to us as a gift one year at Christmas. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, her dad made these um, Advent wreaths. And so I had really preserved it well. I had put it in one of those real fancy wreath boxes and stored it in my attic. Very, very impressive. But because I knew the attic got hot, I didn't put the candles in there with it. And my friends, I have turned the house upside down. And for the life of me, I cannot find those Advent wreath candles. So I've got to get to the store, some store that has tapered candles that are purple, pink, and white. <laughs> and I'm hoping, it's on my to-do list today, somehow, somewhere, I'm going to make it. Probably I have to go all the way to a craft store to do it. And I'm going to get those candles so that tonight when we gather around our dinner table, we can light our first candle and discuss this word hope with our family. I'm looking forward to these discussions with our family and my family, of course, is much more than just who's living in my house, but I actually have the privilege of having a whole lot of my family living in my house right now. And excuse the traffic. I rarely ever have traffic when I'm walking, but of course, when I'm talking, the cars are gonna fly by. So between the traffic and the dogs, you got a little bit of ambient noise in this podcast. I guess that'll help you understand that I really am walking and talking to you. <laughs> on my walk. Also, I'm a little bit uh, breathing, and that's just because I want to get my heart rate up. It's healthy for us. All right. Now, Lord, I just ask that you would allow the words to flow, and for this to be encouragement to all of us as we are um, living in these days and dealing with whatever it is that we're dealing with in our lives. Lord, there's the beauty of the Advent is every one of these focuses are um, applicable to us no matter who we are, what season we're living in, and what's going on around us. God, I just thank you. Help me to order my mind and flow through my words. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So I looked up the word hope on my, my trusty Google site, and um, this is what I found. Hope is an optimistic state of mind that is based on an expectation of positive outcomes with respect to events and circumstances in one's life or the world at large. As a verb, its definitions include expect with confidence and to cherish a desire with anticipation. That's a beautiful um, definition. Hope is an optimistic state of mind that is based on an expectation of positive outcomes with respect to events and circumstances in one's life or the world at large. And good heavens, the traffic is flowing. As a verb, 
the definitions. As a verb, the definitions include expect with confidence and to cherish a desire with anticipation. Now, I don't know about you, but maybe it's just because of the season of life that I'm in. I'm not kidding. There are so many cars going up and down this road now that I decided to do this podcast. But nonetheless, we will press through. And back to, I don't know about you, but, and all I can speak from is my personal perspective, obviously. That's all any of us can do. And um, when I think of this definition of hope, the confident expectation of desired outcomes, I um, am thinking about how often my hope is challenged. My hope gets challenged. And is it hope? Or is it, um, you know, wanting to control situations that I have no business trying to control? So those are the things that are kind of squirrely parts that you have to think about and deal with. And um, when I think about how many times I've been challenged just to release and let go and stop desiring a certain outcome, that my life would be so much easier and maybe easier for the person telling me to do this if I didn't wish for something that was not, if I didn't cling so tenaciously to something that um, may or may not ever happen. And and when I'm challenged in that way, I I, I think, uh, am I being challenged to stop hoping? Or am I just being challenged to stop being so negatively affected by the waiting that hope Um, inevitably brings with it. (laughs) So if we have hope, then we're looking forward to the future, desiring for change. We dare to hope for change. And we are seeing a better tomorrow. And um, if we're living on this side of that better tomorrow, we are um, understandably discouraged at times, disappointed at times, um, even undone at times. There go the cars still. And we, um, if we express the way we're feeling, especially with those up close and personal with us, it, it interferes with them in, in a way that makes them wish that you just wouldn't do that. Does that make sense? <laughs> anyway, it reminds me of the verse in Proverbs I think it's 1315. If that's not it, I will correct myself and put it right in the show notes. Then you can go check out the show notes and check out the the Too Smart to Pray study and check out the prayer clinic website. But um, the proverb says, hope deferred makes the heart sick, but a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. And many times I have hoped for life to be different so much and for so long that I just sometimes slip into a place where um, my heart is sick, (laughs) where I'm sad, where um, I can only see the bad and not the good. And it's because I hope for change. And honestly, it's because of my intimacy with God and my faith in His ability and um, his desire for these changes because they align with his word and his promises that my heart can get sick. And when I get in those places, 
I have to remember the other half of that verse that a desireful field is a tree of life. And if you are tracking with me and you get there too because you have a hope that is deferred, then I want to challenge you to take a minute and look back in your life and remember what you've hoped for before and think on some of those hopes, those desires that have been fulfilled and they have been life-giving. The fulfillment of those desires has brought life. You might also consider times in your spiritual journey when you might have thought that God had forsaken you, that he'd, he'd left you. And because of how hard so many things are coming at you, but if you'll sit still and invite the Spirit of the living God to um, cover you with His, um, well, just bathe you in His goodness, then He will bring to your mind some times in your life when your desires have been fulfilled. And He'll even show you some of those times when the very thing that you thought was going to be your undoing ended up delivering some pretty incredible blessings or even lessons in your life. I was reminded recently by someone I love that their most difficult thing in life has delivered them some of the greatest lessons and they value the lesson so much that they're grateful for the difficult. That's maturity, my friends. So back to hope, hope. My scripture readings this week have been in those Old Testament prophecies, Isaiah chapter nine, for unto us a son is given, a child is born, and the government will be on his shoulders and he's gonna be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace. I know I'm not quoting it exactly right, but go read Isaiah chapter 9 and just look at that. Look at that hope that Isaiah had. That was a hope that was pitched way in the future that God had just dropped the hint of it into his heart, into his mind. It went into his pen or his quill, whatever he used to write with, and it came out on that paper. And all we have to do is just turn a few pages and find his desire fulfilled, the tree of life. But for Isaiah, consider the fact that he lived his entire life with the hope, not with the tree of life, but that hope in him was so certain, not because of what he looked around and saw or the evidence of it on the platform of his life and his day, but his hope was anchored in who gave him the promise. And so somehow, I would imagine Isaiah lived on the deferred side of his hope with perhaps even often a heart that he would have called sick. But we live where we only had to turn a few pages and we see that Isaiah's desire was fulfilled in the literal tree of life, Jesus Christ himself. And then this morning I was reading in Malachi chapter 4, verses 5 and 6. And I don't know if you know this, because I didn't know it until today. 
because to be quite honest, I don't camp out in Malachi very often. But in that, in that book, the very last book of our Old Testament scripture, we read that one is coming who will turn the hearts of the children back to their fathers and the hearts of the fathers back to their children. And I don't know what your life is like and where you are in your life and what's going on with you and your children. But I do know that in our culture today, with all the chaos and the upside down and the inside out and the rapid change where what was five years ago is not what is now. In fact, I want to say this, even though you're going to think I'm chasing a rabbit. I sat with a woman who is a sister of a friend of mine and she lives in Australia and she came to um, visit her sister here. Uh, what did she say? Three years ago? And when people asked her what's going on in America, she said, it's such a happy place. Like things are going, I don't maybe she said five years ago. The economy's good. The people are positive. They're optimistic. They seem to be content in their lives. And then she said, but when she came this time, she, she said everything was different. The economy was a mess. The people are mad. Nobody's um, as optimistic as they were before. And I thought it was very interesting for her because she has a much more objective personality. You see, we all are the frog in the kettle. We're in the American culture and we're living it day by day. And we know that things are changing and that it doesn't seem right and it's not good and so many terrible things are happening. But we kind of adjust to it because it just is what it is and it's the life we live. But she, coming from the outside, looking in and not just being a visitor to this, was able to see the stark contrast and how much worse, in her opinion, our lives were than they were several years ago. You also know that my husband and I just got back from Israel, and Israel is such an interesting place. So much is going on there, and so many dynamics. But one of the things I recognized was their culture is much more conservative in um, the predominant values. Mostly the people are very, um, another car going by, but she's friendly and she slowed down. I love that. Anyway, the culture in Israel is maybe one of the only governments in the world that's moving more right than left right now. So they seem to be going very counter to the, the drift globally. And in that culture, there seems to be, uh, actually, because we go often, the last time we went to Israel was 2019, we sensed that there was much more, um, I don't know, calm and positive uh, sense about people than typically there has been in some of our past trips. So I could, I could kind of get what the, my Australian friend was saying because I could see the difference in the Israel culture as well. And I'll talk a whole lot more about Israel, I'm sure, throughout all of this Advent season because it's so fresh on my heart and my mind. Um, But back to discussing hope. Um, Hope deferred makes the heart sick. And a desire fulfilled is a tree of life. And yet many of us live in seasons of hope. And hope 
for the Jewish people, and this is since our scripture came out of Jewish culture, I um, am fascinated with what does hope mean to you? Because it could be very different than what hope means to me. And, you know, right now, my grandchildren are hoping that the little elf uh, finds his way to the shelf on December 1. And to be quite honest, I'm a little bit frightened because for the life of me, I don't remember what we did with that elf last year. So we're going to have to find him before Thursday because the children have told me that he's supposed to appear on December 1. And I believe that's in just a few days. So they hope, like, and they hope that they get whatever it is they want for Christmas. And they hope, you know, and we have that kind of hope. But then when you get old like us, your hopes are so much different. You hope that your wayward children, you know, have a change of heart and that you hope that God would um, intervene in their lives. You hope that um, the path that they're on will lead them back to Him and not away. You hope that the cancer isn't unto death. You hope that you get the medical test back and it's not cancer. You hope that, you know, your child that's clinging to life will will come through. There's so many heavier hopes that happen along the way in life. So the Jewish people, when they think of hope, they don't just think of um, wishful or fret-filled anticipation. They have a sense of, and this I got from the, the Jewish settlers that we interacted with those few days that we visited with the Hyavel organization that is um, hosting volunteers from all over the world who come alongside the Jewish settlers who are establishing themselves in Judea and Samaria, the heartland of biblical Israel and what the world calls the West Bank. So they are literally um, fighting this modern day battle by planting vineyards and forest. It's a fascinating thing. I will link them to my show notes as well because I want you to learn more about that. It's so fascinating. Anyway, when I met these settlers and they um, had um, they had a way about them that was so strong and so courageous because they're literally going into a place that much of the world says they need to stay out of. And they're, they're living just right next to Palestinians who don't want them to be there. And while they are peacefully abiding... The Palestinians are uh, constantly nipping at their heels. They are trying to burn them out. They literally, they go into their homes at night and kill people. They, you know, while we were there, a Palestinian at a gas station stabbed two people to death, stole the car, went and ran over another guy, and in the matter of minutes killed three Jewish settlers simply because they were Jewish. And so these Settlers, nonetheless, will respond to that. Well, the Israelis don't mess around with terrorism. They, they will respond um, swiftly and, uh, and uh, how do we say, completely. But another way that they respond is by simply expanding their, their settlements and inviting more and more Jewish people from all over the world to come back to Israel 
and be a part of the Zionist movement, the return to the land, and to become a mighty people as they continue, if they're not Messianic Jews, Messianic being that they, like us, believe that Jesus was the promised Messiah, that our hope has been fulfilled when the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. But there are also Jewish people that are not Messianic. They're still looking for the Messiah. So continuing with this hope of the ages that has been um, a thread all the way back to the, the beginning of time, they continue to hope, but they don't hope and um, with sick hearts. It, I mean, yes, they do. I know that when they lose loved ones, when life is really hard, lonely even, we went to one new farm, they call it, which is a family that has gone out to settle on a new hilltop far away from everyone else. And the, um, the woman who lives there with her six children suffers mostly from loneliness. And so I personally am praying more will go and join her hill <laughs> where she won't be alone. Another woman and children. But anyway, they, their hearts, even though it's hard and they grow weary like we do, and maybe even they get discouraged and despairing, they hope with a sense about them that they don't, they cannot change everything, but they are willing and responsible to do what they can do and to live their lives sold out to what they can do that will move the world even closer to the change that they hope for. And I was, I was very affected by that. And it wasn't just, these are not words that I saw people say. These are lives that I watched people living. And it's amazing what one life, what kind of an impact one life can have when they have this mindset. No, I can't change everything, but I can live my life in such a way that I can do all that I can do. And in that way, change will come. And so even though they hope in their God, who is going to bring about the great change, they're going to live their lives participating in the advancement toward that. And their mindset is much larger than their own lifetime. They're a part of something going on that's bigger than them. And my observation was that even though the settlers are living in crazy hard situations, they are very happy. Like they are satisfied because they know their lives matter and they've, they're giving everything they got to what matters. And um, so their hope is that I, um, I am hoping and I'm being the change that helps to contribute to the direction or the end goal that my heart desires. So their hope is not necessarily deferred, it's invested. So maybe hope invested brings the desire fulfilled, <laughs> which then creates a tree of life. Funny thing, we actually got to plant a tree in Israel. And the beautiful thing about planting these trees 
is that one, the, the country is so barren. It's the Middle East, it's desert. However, Israel and like the surrounding countries, of course, I haven't ever visited um, the surrounding countries. I've only peeked at them over the borders. But Israel is actually cultivating the land and in their genius ways of operating and their willingness to learn from anybody anywhere in the world, they have, they're irrigating. They, they take every little drop of water and um, claim it and, and apply it to what they're growing. And so even planting this tree is, uh, was an example of the hope. It was, uh, it was a, a contributing to the hope because Tom and I literally, along with many other volunteers, and 20,000 trees next year is their goal to plant the, the Hyovel group. But um, we're planting trees. And there's an old proverb that says, plant a tree under whose shade you'll never sit. We did that, like we're doing that. And it, it, it makes us feel like we're a part of something bigger than us, something that lasts longer than us. And um, I think that's why people love to have children, you know, because <laughs> you, you, you have this beautiful God-ordained, miraculous uh, role in procreation, in, in creating the people that will inhabit the earth 50 years from now. And you're you're planting into the future. And then what is such a joy to so many parents is when the children embrace the same values, you know, and they, they hope for the same things and they contribute and are a part of it. And, and the cycle continues on and on. And that's what church is about, right? We're not totally, obviously we're the bride of Christ and we are made beautiful by the spirit of the living God. But the reason we do church, the way we do it at, at our church is with much, in fact, probably the bulk of our resources pointed toward the next generation, our kids and our youth ministries. And it's because we are pouring into these trees whose shades will never sit under but whose shade the next generations will sit under. And it's our, it's our hope to continue the cause of Christ and the faithfulness to the gospel and the trusting in his promises until the day he returns. It's a, it's a very rich life because we're invested in what matters. So <laughs> that really did go in a direction I wasn't exactly sure of, but I just, all that to say, I love the Jewish connection. Like their hope is um, much more participatory. It's not like my children, well, I hope, I hope the elf comes out. Now, maybe they are participating because they know deep down inside that I might have something to do with that elf. And so they're sharing with me how much they hope. <laughs> maybe that is prayer. <laughs> maybe that's what we do when we pray. We're sharing with the Lord what we're hoping <laughs> And then we're confessing what we know that we cannot do and trust in him to do that part. But I think as I wrap this up, because I'm headed in the home stretch on this walk, I, um, I think that for me, hope this week is, um, is different because of my trip to Israel. And instead of being uh, so focused on the change I want to see, that's, you know, your impetus for hoping. I can um, instead 
anchor my hope in the promises that God's given me and know that because the promise is, it comes from Him, it's as sure as done. And so rather than pining over what's not happening right now, I can do like our Jewish friends do and simply do all that I can do, all that I'm gifted to do, all that I'm called to do, all that presents itself as an opportunity in my life right now. And I can live my life investing in the promise, the desire that will indeed be fulfilled. Um, I, I don't know. You guys, my hymns from my old, my old, from my younger days, my, my early years, just are in me, which I want it to be, that just that statement to be encouragement. If any of you are listening who have young children, whatever you're pouring in them are not pouring in them. It's what's going to be in them throughout their lives. And the hymn that comes to my mind and has come to my mind this whole week is not the one that my um, Advent guide discussed. That one is... Um, come long awaited savior I think and no the one that comes to my mind is this one my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus blood and righteousness I dare not trust trust my feeble frame but holy trust in Jesus name my hope is built on nothing less than Jesus blood and righteousness I'll throw the lyrics on those show notes as well <laughs> Because I'm not going to take time to look them up right now on my walk. Oh, my friends, let's anchor our hope in those things that God promises. And let's not live our lives pining away for a future that we're eager to have. Instead, let's accept what is with grace and with grit. And let's um, give ourselves to contribute to the desired future we long for by doing everything we can do as we trust God and each other to move us toward what we long for. Father, thank you so much for giving us hope, a hope that will be satisfied. We, we anchor our hope in you and in the promises that you've given us in your word. And Lord, I pray for any listener right now who is just discouraged and overwhelmed and maybe even simply sad over what is going on in their life right now. Lord, I pray that you would allow them to be um, revived by the power of your spirit and that you would pour into them enthusiasm for the unique contribution that they can make that will contribute to where it is that you're taking us. Lord, let each of us approach today with an eagerness to give everything we've got to bring about the desired future that we long for. And thank you, Lord, that you are the desire fulfilled. You are. You are the hope. Lord, we thank you that we live on this side in this time where we see that what Isaiah hoped for, Jesus, you fulfilled. And God, we pray for peace and Israel. And we also pray for the culmination of your plan of the ages 
and we eagerly anticipate with um, hope that is anchored in you the future that when you bring all things together in the way that satisfies you. In Jesus' powerful name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Prayer Clinic Podcast. Don't forget, very soon, in January, in fact, we're going to change the name of our podcast to Teach My Heart to Pray Podcast. Please do take a minute to go and check out the show notes. I've given you a lot of helpful links there. And please take time to rate our podcast if you enjoyed it and to subscribe if you haven't already. Also, perhaps consider sharing this podcast as a part of your Advent season celebration. Ask the Lord to give you the names of three, four, maybe five friends that could use a message of hope this week. And then just shoot a a text over to them and encourage them to take a listen and to be encouraged. So keep on praying, my praying people. We serve a God who is certainly able to fulfill every desire and be that tree of life for us. 